Does DJ Durkin to Auburn make sense? You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, it is Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com, as well as a million other places. Lindsay, news coming out over the weekend, and maybe even by the time folks listen to this, it could be even more solidified and official. But DJ Durkin appears to be the new favorite to be Auburn's defensive coordinator. It's kind of seemed like down the stretch, it was either going to be DJ Durkin, Chris Kiffin, or Zach Arnett as one of those guys possibly being Auburn's defensive coordinator. And honestly, I think Auburn's fine with any of the three. If I had to mm-hmm. rank them, though, I would probably put Dirk in second. I'm still, I still think Hugh Freeze needs to do everything he possibly can to get Chris Kiffin. But we haven't talked a lot about DJ Durkin on this show, and so the news could break any moment if it is DJ Durkin. So you look at what Durkin did most recently at Texas A&M, and I think A&M's defense was solid, but probably could have been a little bit better given all of the pieces that they had and the talent that they had around them. But you look at the stop prior to that. Durkin was uh, the DC at Ole Miss, and it sounds like Jake Thornton, Auburn's offensive line coach, and new offensive coordinator Derek Nix, they love DJ Durkin. And the pitch that they've made and the way that they've kind of sold him to Hugh Freeze makes it sound like that all things are positive for DJ Durkin. And so if that's the case, we've talked about culture within a coaching staff and culture Mm -hmm. within a program. DJ Durkin knows what to expect after working with Thornton and working with Derek Nix. So I I think the hire does make sense if they choose to go this direction. Yeah. And some of the the reporting that we've heard about, I read about it at AuburnDaily.com. There's those they're great folks over there, if you're not familiar with them. Uh, sure. Talking about Hugh Freeze's whole thing was finding coaches that he knew would fit in with the staff. And like yeah. you said, he has not worked with DJ Durkin, but multiple members of his coaching staff have, including people he's worked with in the past. And I think you saw the issue last season of just go and get the best possible X's and O's guy you can get, right? In Philip Montgomery, in Ron Roberts, guys that are good at their jobs, good at the X's and O's of their job, but they don't do... Some of the other stuff around those guys wasn't necessarily ideal. I don't quite think Philip Montgomery did anything for you on the recruiting front. I just right. don't think he did anything for you, uh, you know, as far as the staff and and the staff relations. Whereas a guy like DJ Durkin, he's worked for Jim Harbaugh. He's worked for Urban Meyer. He's worked for coaches that were very good recruiters. He has uh, had very good offenses, or sorry, very good, very, very good defenses at multiple different stops. And it's it's at this point, you need somebody who can come in and be a head coach of the defense. And he has been a head coach before. And so you would trust him to just run that side of the ball for you while Hugh Freeze focuses on the offense and helping Derek Nix with the play calling and the, the game planning. Yeah, you and I had this conversation a week ago. The DC hire is more important than the OC hire. And while mm-hmm. I think Derek Nix... Um, If you listen to the show, he was the favorite and the guy that we wanted from the get-go, and I'm ecstatic that all that it's official. 
I'm ecstatic that he got to watch Auburn basketball destroy his former employer, <laughs> Ole Miss, on Saturday in person. I think that was great. I think that was great. But this one does matter more. And some folks are going to say, and myself included, to some extent, okay, well, if this is the way you wanted to go, why did it take so long? Because it sounds like other schools are interested in DJ Durkin. I do think he wants to be here and be part of Hugh Freeze's staff. Mm -hmm. But he's gotten offers supposedly from other SEC schools uh, to be a DC or to be a linebackers coach at at least two different spots. And so the fact that he's not jumping on those immediately and saying, hey, kind of get the vibe he wants to be somewhere for a long time. And the feeling is that Hugh Freeze is going to be here for a long time. And so once again, the culture aspect of all of this, I'm a fan of. I'm a fan of. And you mentioned him being a head coach before. He was a head coach at Maryland. And, and I think just the the approach that he'll be able to have to this this type of situation where recruiting probably won't be his number one thing. He'll probably be one of he may be the only guy on staff where recruiting's not his number one priority. Game planning will be. We saw that situation succeed with Ron Roberts. We'll see if it happens. Um, we'll see if it happens with DJ Durkin, assuming he's the guy because it still could be Chris Kiffin. We'll see. Mm -hmm. The Texans season ended. Um, over the weekend. We'll see what happens with that. But just the, the timing of it, I do think is interesting because if you really wanted him over everyone else, why did it take so long? Yeah, and I could see Auburn trying to have the conversation with Kiffin and understanding that there's only so far in the conversation that he would go until his team was eliminated. And so... Auburn asked Durkin, and this is all speculation, mind you. Uh, Auburn maybe asked Durkin, hey, hey, before you commit to those other jobs, let us finish the conversation with all of the applicants we have. We are interested in you. We want you. We just want to cover all of our bases because the guy that we hire, we want him to be here for five or six years mm -hmm. like you want. And so I think that could be something to it. But I think the other part too, and you, you touched on Durkin's probably the only person on staff, the only coach on staff, whose primary job isn't recruiting, but he still is a good recruiter. Like I will rivals yeah. gave him in 2012. He was recruiter of the year for rivals. He has a list of four and five star recruits that he has been the primary recruiter on. So it's not like you're getting nothing out of that. He's just understandably focusing on, on the defense first and then recruiting comes second. And he has strong recruiters under underneath him so that's fine but he yeah. is a guy that could conceivably give you both whereas kiffin is somebody who you obviously have the cachet of he's been in the nfl recently but i don't know exactly if he could step like just hit the ground running when it comes to recruiting on yeah. anything other than the i was just in the nfl angle whereas durkin still has relationships he's obviously been in the sec the last since 2020 and so he could recruit right away while still coordinating the defense. Yeah, and I think his I think his resume is solid. I mean, since 2014, he was the interim head coach um, after things went down in Florida, then got the job at Michigan to be their defensive coordinator linebackers coach, got a head coaching job at Maryland, and um, obviously had some really unfortunate things happen in Maryland while he was there. Won't get into that today. Uh, and spent 2019 in the NFL, 
with the Atlanta Falcons in an off-field role and then returned to Ole Miss as a co-DC and linebackers coach. Last year, he was the DC and linebackers coach for Texas A&M. And we will see what happens um, moving forward um, because he will be sharing this with Charles Kelly. But if this is the hire, Lindsay, it makes me think more of the co-DC label on Charles Kelly was more of a, hey, we'll pay you more to come over here. Leave Colorado. We will pay you. You can get back into the SEC. That, it, If it is DJ Durkin, that's definitely what that co-DC title in front of Charles Kelly's name kind of feels like now. Can we pay him a tiny bit more to go ahead and change his username on Twitter? Because it still says Buffs in his username. Can I noticed that? that. Yeah. Can we yeah, do that? A few people tagged him when he was at the uh, when he was at the Auburn basketball game. It's like interesting because he's so savvy on recruiting. I would assume that you know social media would be a thing, but maybe he's old school. Maybe he's just picking up the phone and calling kids. Maybe, which I'm maybe totally he's like okay Saban. With. He's just you know he's just calls the fella and talks to him. He's like I don't I don't tweet box and all of that stuff. I just I'm go. here to I'm here to get you to the NFL, son. You know yeah that kind of thing. But Saban's not doing that because he's retired. Exactly. And they're they're nailing the replacement so far. They're just they're doing so well with this. Uh, everybody wants to say everything's a home run hire, and it's like that is not always true, but that's okay. All right, I, I think there's a player. If Auburn goes in the direction of DJ Durkin as DC, I think there's a player that will benefit more than anybody else. And I also think there's a position group that will benefit more than everyone else. We'll discuss that in just a moment, right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Right now, you can get in on the action with new customers getting $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. All you have to do is place a $5 bet. And at this rate, you might as well just bet on Auburn basketball to cover every single time. Because as Lindsay loves to say, good teams win, great teams cover, and Auburn basketball continues to cover the action. Uh, also, the, uh, the championship games are set in the NFL. It's not too late to get involved in NFL action, but college basketball right now is where it's at for sure. So the app's easy to use, live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. Uh, parlays all over the place. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make that first bet of yours a layup. FanDuel's the official partner of the NFL and the LockedOn Podcast Network. Lindsey Crosby, our guest on this Monday edition of Locked on Auburn. I think Eugene Asante would be the clear winner if DJ Durkin is Auburn's next defensive coordinator. I actually reached out to Locked on Aggies host, Andrew Stefaniak. I'm like saying, hey, dude, there's a lot of smoke that Durkin's going to be the next DC. Which player do you think benefited the most from Durkin being the DC at Texas A&M? Without skipping a beat, he said Edrin Cooper. Had a really good year. This is a four-star kid coming out of the 2020 class, and he became an NFL draft pick over this last season because of the work that Durkin did with the linebackers and the uh, the Texas A&M defense over there. The most similar situation that Auburn has right now, that is Eugene Asante, a guy who's gotten better every single year that he's been here, obviously had his breakthrough season this past year, choosing to come back. I think this could be huge for Eugene Asante. It seemed like the game clicked, slowed down a little bit for him to allow him to play at the high level that he did consistently. I think bringing in DJ Durkin could help Eugene Asante take yet another step forward. I think Eugene Asante would be the player that benefits the most if Auburn goes this direction. Yeah, and and 
the thing that I seem to have noticed with uh, with DJ Durkin, whether it's at Texas A&M, things like that, they did really good as far as just completely frustrating opposing offenses. I think his first season, they led the nation in fewest passing yards per game. Last year, they had one of the lowest rushing yards per game. Like they're just they're very good at taking what you want to do and just making it incredibly difficult. But him being a linebackers coach, that being his experience, I think Asante's a great choice. And I think also he could be a useful guy that can go and address one of it, uh, one of Auburn's concerns. We talk about the pass rush from the Jack linebacker position, his knowledge of linebackers and knowing who might be able to step over into that Jack role. We've talked about, do we move a guy like a Cam Riley or somebody, do we, who do we move into that role? Mm-hmm. I think that DJ Durkin could probably be pretty good at, at identifying who is a fit to go into that role and just become a monster off the edge. And so you have Asante, you have a reliable 1A in your pass rush, or I guess in this case, behind somebody behind Keldrick Falk, and it makes Auburn's defense that much more scary. Rather than having to scheme up creepers and things like that under Ron Roberts, you can have some guys, some studs that you know you can count on for production, and then your challenge is to supplement and scheme around those guys. I think he could also be very useful in that situation as well. Yeah, semi-glad. I mean, I hate that Cam Riley's gone, but I am glad that that's a conversation of him shifting to Jack. We don't have to have that conversation over and over again like we had the last few off-seasons, so... Uh, but yeah, I think Eugene Asante could benefit, and obviously uh, that could trickle down to everybody else in that linebacker room, Lindsay, like you're hinting at. Austin mm-hmm. Keys could benefit drastically. Could he have a full season where he stays healthy, and what would that potentially look like? What about a guy like Robert Woodyard, a uh, guy that people have been really excited about and sound like he had a good spring, and then it just never really clicked, and the defense and the start is ready to move on, and he wasn't quite there with them. Maybe another year in the system. Or guys that are just going to be able to come in and hit the ground running, like a Demarcus Riddick, uh, who who has already impressed folks early in his tenure. Um, it's very very short tenure. You know, could could a young guy like Riddick or a DJ Barber or a Joe Phillips, um, could they kind of hit the ground running with uh, with what he's able to do uh, there? And then of course the veteran Dorian Mausi, the transfer from Duke, could he be a guy that benefits? Sure, I think certainly. But all in all, the linebacker room should get better. I do think something that's going to be different if he does come to Auburn is he was DC or co-DC slash linebackers at both of his previous stops. And that's, I would assume, isn't going to be the case here unless something happens with Coach Aldridge, but everybody loves what he's doing. I can't imagine anything would change there. So I do wonder if that changes some things moving forward for him, assuming he comes here. He does have experience also in his career uh, doing special teams. And then uh, A&M's website does say that he was in charge of safeties as well for at least one of those seasons. So he does have versatility on the back end. Uh, Everybody who's not a defensive lineman, although in 05 at Bowling Green, he did defensive ends too, Bowling Green and Stanford. So he's Mm -hmm. coached just about every position group on the defense. And I believe as a player, he was actually... Um, a defensive end and an outside linebacker at Bowling Green. So I mean, he's he's done, oh. he's he's had his hands on every single just about every single position group on the defense other than cornerback, and that's like the one position where we feel like Auburn's done a pretty good job of finding talent and finding guys who can make things happen. So it, whether it's safety linebacker, I think he'll be able to impart some wisdom just 
coming from an incredibly long career. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think so, too. So a lot to like. Um, the timing is interesting. Maybe we'll learn more about this over the next few days. Um, but we'll see. Assuming Auburn goes in the direction of DJ Durkin, Chris Kiffin, or Zach Arnett, I'm fine with any of them. I think all of them are solid, and I think all of them make total sense, all for very, very similar reasons. Lindsay, let's play a game. Okay. Who will Auburn's top five, top five pass catchers be in 2024? We discussed in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. I want to thank you so much for making Locked on Auburn your first listen every single day. So we did compare lists going into this show, Lindsay, and we both agree on who we think will lead Auburn in receiving yards. We are predicting the top five receiving yards leader, not power rankings of the top five pass catchers. These are receiving yards we're guessing here. We were way wrong a year ago. But I'm going with... Weren't Cam we all, Zach? Weren't yeah. we all? I thought Shane Hooks would be a thousand yard receiver. I was way off on that. So did he. Um, I got caught in the book a little bit. It's just going to happen again. It happens. It's going to happen again, but I mean, that's it, fine. It, We're it, eventually going to be right. It so. sneaks up on you. I mean, mm -hmm. yep, it does. Cam Coleman. I predict that Cam Coleman will lead Auburn in receiving yards. Uh, you do too, not to, yeah. to steal your thunder there, but it's just, I don't think we've had a guy like Cam Coleman ever in the history of this program. And obviously he's got to come in and do it. He's got to come in and get open and catch the passes and make the plays. No question. But as far as starting points, we've never had a guy like Cam Coleman on campus before. So I think he hits the ground running and I think he leads Auburn in receiving yards uh, as a true freshman. I'm going to say this just real quick. Auburn's career leader in receiving yards is Terry Beasley with 2,624. If Cam Coleman is as good as we think he can be, he can break that record in three years. If he doesn't... Is it a disappointment? We, yes. Unless something weird happens, he gets hit with an injury bug or he transfers or something like that. But assuming he plays and is a starter for three seasons, and if he's not Auburn's receiving leader, I, I, you got to think something went wrong. Yeah. So, um, all right, so we agree on that. Number mm -hmm. two is Rivaldo Fairweather. I'm predicting Rivaldo Fairweather is second. You may have had Rivaldo at two as well. Rivaldo led Auburn in receiving yards and receptions a year ago. I can't imagine that he plummets down those standings. He led with 394 a year ago. I think he will be second. I still think he will have more than 394 this upcoming season. More than 38 catches as well, but it's that... It's that familiarity, and and mm -hmm. we know that this scheme has shown that they can funnel receptions to the to the tight end. Obviously, he knows the quarterbacks already. He's been here for a year. I feel good about him being number two. Yep. All right. So uh, we both say Cam Coleman, Rivaldo Fairweather. My number three is Caleb Burton. I had a hard time deciding between Caleb Burton and Jay Fair here at number three, but I think whoever emerges as kind of that secondary piece to whoever emerges on the outside, which we both think it'll be Cam Coleman. And mm -hmm. even if Perry Thompson emerges as the other guy on the outside, on the other side, I think Caleb Burton has the opportunity to emerge as a slot receiver, or they played him outside a lot in the bowl game as well, if I recall correctly. So I think he has more opportunities to slot in in different places versus Jay Fair. So that's why I went with Caleb Burton over Jay Fair at number three. Yeah. And his, 
I mean, his Music City Bowl, five catches, 78 yards. I'm pretty sure he led the team. Uh, and it kind of showed the versatility like you talked about. And when you have these freshmen, it feels like the best way to bring these super talented freshmen in are to give them a position, let them learn one position. Whereas, yeah. like you said, Burton can play inside. He can play outside. He's got a year of experience in the scheme. He's got time with Peyton Thorne. I talk a lot about how the chemistry matters. I've got Caleb Burton at three as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're the same here. We do differ moving forward. Yes. At number four, I have Jarquez Hunter. In the past, we've seen running backs like Tank Bigsby lead Auburn in receptions and all of that. Jarquez was one, two, three, four, five. He was sixth in receiving yards last year. I think he's going to be used differently this year. So I've got Jarquez Hunter at fourth. Um, I do not. Yeah. And I think that's a reasonable it's a reasonable take to not have him this high, but I think I think they got another year out of Jarquez Hunter, and I think they're going to kind of feel like they're, um, you know, the, this is kind of the the best case scenario. So let's use Jarquez Hunter as much as we possibly can. So that that's why I have Hunter at four. Yeah. See, I've got uh, Robert Lewis, the transfer from Georgia State, at four, and this is okay. something where Auburn has just such like no real proven options on the outside. We're giving Caleb Burton benefit of the doubt because he's been here yeah. for a year. But right. Robert Lewis is a guy who has been in college football for multiple years. He knows all of the tips and tricks to getting open. And being here in January to me feels like it's a big deal as well because he has time to learn the playbook and to understand what the offense is trying to do. And when in doubt, I I just I feel like the veteran experience is going to pay off. And at least early in the year, you may see him being used a lot while some of these freshman receivers get up to speed and get comfortable with the speed of the college game. So I've got Robert Lewis, another guy kind of like Caleb Burton. He can probably play inside or outside. He can move around the field a lot, but he just he knows how to get open as a veteran. And I've got him at four. I am so wishy-washy when it comes to Robert Lewis. Some days I'm like transfers before. I think that's it. And then that's not fair to Robert Lewis. It's really not. But because if, if, if Mardner and Hooks and Shorter hadn't have transferred here, I'd probably be really excited about them. And I think it could work, right? Like we see other other receivers elsewhere transfer in and they have instant impact. Like this, it would make sense if Robert Lewis led Auburn to receiving. Like it would make sense. Mm-hmm. But I just, until I see it, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm just not quite ready to ride with that. The saving grace for me is it feels like this wasn't a transfer based on how amazing physically Robert Lewis is, like it was with actual some of these production. guys last year. It's mm-hmm. based on actual production, and that's the sure. only reason that I feel like he should be in the top five. Yeah, we saw some production was shorter, mm-hmm. but didn't go through spring, nope. had injury issues, and, and you it, know Georgia State's a lower level of competition like North Texas was, but. Georgia State, I mean, they're playing real schools to some extent. Yeah. So and and uh they they played us tough. So it's yeah. We're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's I yeah. mean, being honest, they, they No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh all right. My fifth one is uh is Jay Fair. I have Jay Fair fifth um in my top five of predicting Auburn's top five guys or receiving yards. I almost put Robert Lewis here. I just couldn't do it. So I, I went with Jay Fair. Jay Fair was second on the team in receptions with 31 a year mm-hmm. ago, and he was third third on the team 
with receiving yards, but with Javarius Johnson leaving, he would be he's second as far as like the returning guys. So it would make sense for him to be up there. It sounds like Jay Fair and this staff had a lot of really serious conversations in the offseason about should he stay or should he go. Jay Fair wasn't interested in like the financials of it. He wanted to know how are you guys going to use me? I think that's uh I think that's a sign that he's gonna be involved in the offense. So I've got Jay Fair at five. Yeah, and and I was down to Jay Fair or one other player at five. I ended up going with just the absolute freak that is Perry Thompson. When I you watch it. him, I mean, like he he was in like uh he was in some of the state competitions for track, yet he's also 6'4, 215. He's just a machine. And yeah. it, I mean, the dude passed for multiple touchdowns. He rushed for a touchdown and then obviously had an amazing year as a receiver. It's just, it's absurd. And it's one of the, probably, I think the reason I have Perry Thompson at five and Cam Coleman at one is I'm assuming Cam Coleman's going to come in and be firing out of the gate. Perry Thompson, for all I know, could be a little bit later in the season. It could be, he could kind of take over for Lewis as the season progresses and he gets comfortable, but it just feels like, I don't want to bet against that amazing talent, right? He's so gifted. One of the best receiving uh, recruits Auburn's ever had. He probably he would be number one if not for Cam Coleman. And so just feels like that duo is too talented to not be on the field at the same time by mm-hmm. at least the midpoint of the season. You're going to find a way to figure it out for them where you they are where they are ready to go. And it's the question is just how long does that take? And I think it'll take long enough where he's in the top five, but he's not in the top three. Sure. Yeah. If we were doing, if we were predicting, okay, who are the top five like leaders in receiving yards in the last six weeks of the season? I I definitely would put Perry Thompson on there. Um, All right, Lindsay, thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. Let's recap our list. So we both had the same top three Cam Coleman, Rivaldo Fairweather, Caleb Burton. I had Jarquez Hunter and Jay Fair at four and five. You had Robert Lewis at four and Perry Thompson at five. There you go. There you go. Comment. Reach out to us, either put it in the Discord or comment if you're watching on YouTube down below. Who are your top five receiving leaders, if you had to guess, for Auburn in 2024? Lindsay, how can people check out everything that you've got going on? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. It's the hub for everything. If it's minor league baseball, locked in and be prospects six days a week right now until spring training. If it's college baseball, AuburnDaily.com, less than a month before that's back. And if it's pro baseball, bravestoday.com we will be at spring training in early march yes yes we will it's gonna be a blast you can find all my written work at auburndaily.com and bravestoday.com and we will see you tomorrow this has been locked on auburn